This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. I am excited about this message. Here in Proverbs 31, verse 10 from the Amplified Classic Bible. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Classic, like, like I have been doing. The fruit, everybody say the fruit. The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous. I love that word, uncompromisingly. I just think that's a great word. Righteous is a tree of life and he who is wise captures human lives for God as a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. What, what a great scripture this is. It says if you're wise, then you're, you're someone who's on assignment to get people, to, to draw people into eternity. Now, uh, the word wise here is the word kakan in the Hebrew. It means to be intelligent, skillful, artful, and through intense practice. In other words, uh, we, we, we need to get to the point where th- we become skilled at communicating the gospel. You know, I, I, when I was in my profession of house painting for 20 years, I developed into a very skilled house painter. I was intelligent as a house painter. If you mention anything about house painting, I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you what kind of paint to use, how many coats to put on, how to use a brush. It's amazing to me. I, the first thing I do when I watch somebody paint, I can't help it. It's ingrained in me. I did it 20 years. I watch how they hold the brush. Because if they hold the brush like that, like they just got the whole handle in their hand and they're going like that or that, I think, oh boy, this is a mess on the way. Because there's a way to hold that brush. And if you're artful, listen to me, if you're skillful, you'll know how to hold that brush and you can get it to look good every single time. It wasn't like when I got to the point when I painted a house, I, it wasn't like I painted one good, I know I could paint, and not, this is not bragging, but you know, I did it long enough and I committed myself to being good at it to where I could paint that house and paint that woodwork and not have any runs, any sags, uh, you know. We used to have what we called, and if he's watching tonight, uh, uh, he's probably not. My sister's probably not either. But the first house painter I worked for was my brother-in-law, uh, and his last name is Nolan. That's my sister's name, of course, because she's married to him. And uh, he would come in and inspect everything we painted. I mean, after we got done, he would inspect it. And I mean, he'd get down and look close into the corners. He'd look at everything. And if you skipped a spot, like you didn't put enough paint on it or you just missed a spot, he would call you out on it. So we developed this little system. We would say if somebody skipped a, pot, a spot, they got a Nolan Award because his last name was Nolan. Well, I want you to know by the time I got it, got, you know, was in there three or four years, I didn't have any Nolan Awards. Praise God. You could come in and inspect behind me, and I knew you. Now, I knew I'd never have a Nolan Award. 
You know, there's a way that you can get so good. The more you witness to people, the more at ease you'll get about it. And the more God will speak to you. And you won't even realize it. God will start using you at your office, the, peop, the person next door. God will give you the right things to say. He'll, he'll, I mean, it'll be amazing how good you can get at just spreading the gospel. Amen. You won't be nervous about it. You won't be uncertain about it. And every single person is different. So you might, you know, and God will just tell you what to say. The Bible says, he that is wise. What does the word wise mean? It means intelligent, skillful, artful. But listen to this. It goes on to say, through intense practice. So the more you share your faith, the more that's practicing, the better you're going to get at it. Amen. Now, I don't know what your profession is. I don't know what your profession is. Hopefully, your goal, if you're in a profession, is to become professional where you are one of the best. But we, we need to understand that of all the things that I want to be good at on this planet, I want to be good at telling people about who Jesus Christ is. That needs to be one of the, that needs to be my passion even better than anything else I do. Now, why is that important? Let's read in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Everybody say, I'm on assignment. Now in, the, in, in church, uh, let me. A lot of people come to church, and most people, their motives are right when they come into a church setting, but sometimes their motives are not, and most of the time, those are people that have been in church for a while because they want to be a star. They want to be a star. They want to be where they can be seen in the church. They want to be noticed in the church. They want to have a title in the church, you know, because after all, they got it. They got, you know, you, know, you got the right stuff, baby, you know, that kind of thing. And, and they believe that. But did you know, according to the Bible, there's only one group that God recognizes as stars in the church. Did you know that? Look here. I'm going to read from the Living Bible this time. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. And those who are wise. Now, hold on a minute. Here's this word wise again popping up. Those who are wise. Wow. So what are wise? Intelligent, skillful, artful through intense practice. Those who are wise, the people of God shall shine as brightly as the sun's brilliance. And those who turn many to righteousness will glitter like stars forever. I love using this verse here. It literally says that those who turn people, this is the lost world. Those who get the attention of the lost and can get them turn towards God, the Bible says they will glitter like stars. So the stars in the body of Christ are the soul winners. And remember, everybody is actually assigned to be a soul winner. It's part of your assignment. God's not going to let you out of it. Now you can choose not to do it, but God's not going to dismiss you, like I've said in past messages, because you're an introvert. Well, I'm an introvert and I'm very shy and I'm a little backwards and, you know, I don't have, con- and so, you know, okay, but that, but I'm telling you, God's not going to, God's not going to let you by with that. Amen. We can go through the Bible. Not everybody that was a big hero in the Bible was a sanguine. Most of them were not sanguines. God had to prod them a little. God had to, God had to push them a little. You know, Moses said, don't put me in there to talk before, uh, before Pharaoh because I'm not a good talker. You got the wrong guy. I, I'm, I'm, mm, I'm not a talker. I'm a good listener, but I'm not a good talker. God said, you're going to go. 
And it's amazing. He said, I'll send Aaron with you. By the way, Aaron's a good talker. But you find out that Moses is always the one talking to Pharaoh when he gets there. Amen? So God is saying, so he's telling us here, I love this verse because he said, those who turn many to righteousness will glitter like stars forever. When heaven looks down at the earth and, and God is looking for stars on this earth, he's looking for soul winners. He's not impressed with if you're a preacher, singer, musician, somebody out front. Those are all wonderful and God will use you. I'm not dismissing all of that. I'm one of them. But just because I'm a pastor, I am not dismissed from sharing my faith. And not just at the platform here. I told some of the, the ministers in this church last year, and we'll probably start meeting again now we got past all this COVID stuff. Um, I said, you know, if all you ever, if your goal is if I can just get behind the pulpit, Man, a pastor will just let me up there. He'll just let me have a Bible thing and he'll just let me up there. Boy, a pastor will just let me, I, boy, I got stuff to say. And I always tell them, I say, if that's your ultimate goal, if you'll feel like you've arrived and you got up here, you know what? You just reduced what you have to say to just this pulpit and whomever's there to listen to you. But if you look at every day when you go out the door, you got the entire world. You got everywhere and every place you go, that is your platform. That is your pulpit. Somebody said, well, I want to preach. Then go ahead and do it. Amen. Go for it. Amen. Now, don't, 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 don't shout me down now. Amen. And there'll be more about that in a minute. Listen to James chapter five. Let's go over to James chapter five, verse 20. Now, I got something I'm going to share with you tonight in a little while that I think is going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to guess that we probably have skipped over it and not really paid a lot of attention to it before when we've studied our Bible. James chapter five, verse 20. Hello, everybody online. Thank you for staying there and keeping focused because God is gonna use you. James chapter five, verse 20. Let him know. I love the way this verse starts out. Let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. How many of you see that verse? Amen. Is that not a great verse? Amen. Wow. So he didn't say he that is a pastor. He didn't say he that is an evangelist. He didn't say he that has one of the five-fold ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, which is, of course, spoken over there in Ephesians chapter 4. No, he said he. That would be in any one, he, she. Again, let him know. Let you, this is something you got to know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, I'm going to say something here that's going to be very, uh, I'm going to have to hope that I have the Holy Spirit to help me say it the right way so you won't take a piece of it and break it off and run with it, but you'll have to take the whole thing. This is not a Kit Kat bar that you can break a little piece off of, all right? You got to eat the whole thing, all right? So no, no, no breaking off a piece of this one. But did you know the Bible has a lot to say about covering up sin? And it's all positive. Do you know the Bible says we're not supposed to run around and expose everybody everywhere about everything they're doing? Now, I'm not talking about criminal stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about sin. You know, if you love somebody, you don't go out and broadcast their stuff everywhere. The Bible says love covers the multitude of sin. Now we're in a we're in a society where we, we have expose. We love to be a we have we love to be part of the expose society, the gotcha. You know, 
Wait till I tell about what they did. And then even worse, people do it on social media. How shameful is that to get on social media and put somebody else's sin out there for everybody? Now, this is a rabbit path I'm taking. It doesn't have everything to do with my message, but it does have some to do because the world out there is not going to want to be a part of a church that's always, all we want to do is, hey, come in here and make yourself vulnerable, give your life to the Lord and confess your sins and let us hear them so we can tell everybody else. Amen. That's the last thing. That they're looking. We want to tell them, you come in here, you put your sins down at this altar, and guess what? God will forgive you, and we'll get in here and work with you. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen? So we can see these scriptures here consistently. We read an Old Testament scripture in Daniel. We read now one over in James. We actually read two in the Old Testament because we read the one in Proverbs. Now let's go back to the Old Testament, Psalms 51. Psalms 51, verses 12 and 13. Now, what I'm giving you are some scriptures about how important it is, how God is constantly, even while he's doing a miracle in your life and trying to help you straighten out the things that are going wrong in your life, his ultimate goal is to get you right so you will get the lost person into the kingdom. God is not just trying to help you so you'll feel more comfortable so you can go home and have a good night's sleep but he's trying to get you now that I've got you right. I want to alert you that there are people dying around you. Now, don't shout me down again. All right. Let's go to verse, chapter 51 of Psalms, verse 12, King James Version. This is David here. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. So we'll pause there for a minute. Now, that's a good verse. David is crying out, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. David had gotten into sin. He had committed sin with Bathsheba. He had uh, had, uh, you know, Bathsheba's wife, ki uh, husband killed and had a baby die. And there was a lot of tragedy going on. And David said, you know, Lord, just, I, I want to get back to where I was. And aren't you glad we serve a merciful God? God heard this prayer. But I want you to know what David said. He wasn't just about him. I want you to see, I want you to see why God answered the prayer of giving him back his joy. Look at verse Look at the next verse. Then, now let, let's read it all. Re return unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. That was David's prayer. Listen to what he says he's going to do. He didn't say, I'm going to go live the way I want to then and be free of all that sin. Here's what he said. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Did you catch that? David said, Lord, I want you to restore unto me the joy of my salvation, not just so I'll feel good again, not just so I'll be forgiven, not just so I can go back and just live and be comfortable again. I want you to do it so I can begin to tell people who you are and they'll listen to me and we can get them converted from their lost ways. Isn't that great? So then we, we, could, we could come to this conclusion with this. God wants us, wants to help us get our lives together so we'll be more effective in reaching other people that are lost and get them to come to him. Now, when I, I, you know, there's no way I could have led anybody to Christ before June the 27th, 1976, because I was not a Christian. And you all know my story. I couldn't have. I was running with a bunch of guys. I was doing everything they were doing. They were lost as last year's Easter egg. I mean, they, they were just, they were a mess, and I was in there running with them, and there's no way I could have. But when I got born again, and I got really saved. I got, God did something in my life and I, get, I, I got my life right. I began to have 
I didn't even understand that. I began to think about them in ways I never thought about them before. Now I wasn't thinking about how I wanted to fit in with them and how, now I was thinking, man, Lord, they're dying. They're on the way to hell. What is going on? And I prayed for them. Now, I'd like to tell you that they all gave their lives to the Lord and and they didn't while I was in that period of time. Now, I don't know if some of them did later on. I know one of them, I wound up burying back here about 10 years ago. He was about 51, you know, pretty close to my age. And I wound up burying him. And I don't even know if he, but, but I will say this. I understood then why I was, that God was not just trying to get to me. Understand when God does a miracle for you, whether it's to to get you born again or just does a miracle, he's always doing it for you and. Everybody say and. 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 Now he loves you. He loves you very much. He loves doing great things and, and stuff for you, but he always has a bigger push beyond that. So again, David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Notice that. Restore me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Paul began to be a little more emphatic about this when he would talk to the churches that were rising up there in the New Testament. The church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, he was talking because the, the, the church at Corinth, there were a lot of, of unsaved people coming in. There were a lot of Gentiles coming in that certainly were not saved and even some Jewish people that were curious about the gospel. And here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we beg of you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So he said, we beg of you. He said, I want you to understand the earnestness here of all the things. Now, this is the church that had the gifts of the Spirit. This is the church that, that Paul actually had to call. They, they had the gifts of the Spirit really so much it was out of control, and he had to teach them about it. So this was a very powerful church. It had the Spirit of God in it. But Paul still said, of all the things that's going on here, we need to make sure that we get these people that are, are away from God reconciled to God. That's really the mission of the church. Can you shout amen? So everything that we do has to be uh, about winning people to the Lord. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 and 7, you know, there's a list there. There's a time for this. There's a time for that. There's a time, you know, starting the whole Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you know, you know, the, 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 the rock and roll band, the birds wrote a song about it, you know, turn, turn, turn. But down around verse 7, it says something like this. There's a time to speak. Folks, we're in a time where there's a time to speak. This is not the time to be silent. This is not the time to, 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 to be afraid. This is not the time to miss opportunities that God puts in your hands. It's a time to speak and tell people about the goodness of God that you have actually received. Can you shout amen? amen. Billy Graham said, what makes us Christians shrug our, soldier, our shoulders when we ought to be flexing our muscles? What makes us apathetic in a day when there are loads to lift a world to be won and captives to be set free. Why are so many bored, he said, when the times demand action? The times demand action. That's where we are right now. Now, we have to ask ourselves, I, I know what the answer is because I'm the pastor of this congregation, been here since day one. Do we want to be a comfortable church or do we want to be a great commission church? Now, a comfortable church is a church where you come in, you find your seat. You know, we've been shaking some of you up lately, getting you to move around a little bit. That, that, you know, actually, that's good for you. Because otherwise, you can get all comfortable. I've seen people fight over somebody sitting in their seat before, man. It's like, dear God in heaven. 
You know, I was like, I didn't see your name on that seat, but whatever, you know. But we have to be, we have to be very cautious that we're not to the point where, where I'm going to go to church tonight. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to enjoy the music. Ooh, I hope they do my favorite song. Come on, come on, come on. Do my favorite song. And I hope pastor says this. And, 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 and I, oh, I hope my friend's over there. And all. Okay, there's not any of that is necessarily wrong. But we have to understand, we're not here to become comfortable. We're here to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, I'm going to say something, and this is not really to sting you, because after all, you're here tonight. So everybody in this room, I do want you to take it personally, but I want you to know that all the ones that could be here tonight, we got folks that, come on, listen, you can't stay home at, forever because of COVID. Now, I'm just going to look right in that camera and tell you it's time. Are you going to work? You're going to work, aren't you? Are you going to the grocery? Are you doing other things outside? Are you, or, then you, come on, man, let's, let's get back to the house of God. Let me tell you something. God is really watching how we're reacting to all this stuff going on on this planet right now. Amen. I love everybody, but it's time. But I'm about to say something here that I hope you take it personal, but everybody that's in here, of course, you're here. So there are others that should take it even more personal. It should bother you if there are empty seats beside you in this church. Amen. Now, I'm going to say that again because I only got one holy grunt and a that's right right here. I'm going to say it again. It should bother you if you come into this building and there's an empty seat in here. You, you shouldn't be able to come in and go, well, okay, man, I'll just spread out tonight. That's good. Man, man we just spread out. I got a whole row over here, bless God. Now, y'all look around and go, man, this is, I got I to do something about this. Man, what's wrong with me? I, I, this isn't right right here. You say, well, but it's kind of hard. No, no, listen, I've seen this building filled many times over. Amen. Many times over. Amen. We were in a building downtown. You hear us talk about it all the time where people stood in line to get in the building. In the cold, in the heat, to get in a building with, that was freezing cold in the winter and super hot in the summer because the heating and air never worked right. I'm going to tell you something you already know, but I just want to remind you. With awful bathrooms, terrible bathrooms, terrible facilities, nothing about the building was good. It was on a hill. Wherever you parked, you had to walk down a hill. Ladies in heels and everything else, and people, men in dress shoes, had to walk down hills and up hills to get into this old, damp, dusty, old building that we had. But they were so on fire for God. And, the, here, and you know what happened down there? The church grew exponentially. I wasn't preaching anything differently than what I'm preaching now. I wasn't any better then than I am now. And you may not think I'm good now. But I don't think I've gotten any worse. I will say that. <laughs> I'd like to believe I've held my ground. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Let me tell you what the difference was. Everybody came in that building, ran and told everybody they worked with, everybody they met, everybody, every friend they had, they would come in on Sunday and they would bring people from the left and right. They would come in in bunches. I mean, it was like bunches of people. How many of you were, how many of you were ever downtown in the old building? Therefore, well, am, I, am I telling the truth? Now, wave your hand real violently if I'm telling you the truth. Because you know it's true. I, I wasn't preaching anything any differently. I, there was nothing spectacular. The building was awful. This building is the Taj Mahal compared to that. It's much better, much more convenient, much more everything, much more. So why is it 
that it's not quite full like it should be. Now, we have good crowds here on Sundays. We know that, and we're thankful for that. I'm always thankful for that. And it's not about numbers, but it is about numbers. It's not about being able to boast that you've got X amount, but it is about getting people to the altars of God and getting their lives straightened out. So I'm going to say it again. Now, if you're, if you're watching online tonight and you're remembering you should be here because you had a hard day, you know, you know, and all. Okay, I understand that. Listen, I raised three kids, a mother-in-law and a brother-in-law, all at the same time in my house while we were trying to pastor a church that didn't have any money and we were both working full-time jobs, working 70 hours a week. I didn't get paid a penny to do this for years and I brought my kids in and those services used to go to 10 o'clock at night. And when we got done, our kids were always asleep and I was always throwing one of them over my shoulder and carrying them out to the car, getting to the car, getting to the house, picking them up, taking them in the house and putting them in their bed. And I mean, that was pretty good until JT got as big as me. He's like, son, you have to walk tonight. I'm not carrying you. <laughs> you got to get your butt up, man. You as big as I am. So I'm not carrying you anymore. My son I'm talking about. And so, so, but, but I want to say it again. I want you to get it, and I want it, to, I want it to sting a little, not in a negative way, but in a provocative way, where you say, what am I thinking? Now, now, this is not, again, you're here tonight. Some of you should be here tonight. Well, my kids got this. My husband got, okay. whatever, whatever. Where's the urgency at? Where's the urgency at? What, what, what is your degree of priorities? Is the house of God down here? Is gathering God's people somewhere in the middle? Because if it is, I don't know what to say to you. Amen. But let me say once again what I said. It should bother you. Amen. It should bother you if you walk into the house of God and there's an empty seat. You should say, well, I can't feel it all. But I'll tell you this much. I can feel that seat on my left and that seat on my right. That's going to be my goal from now on. I have a goal. See, it's your assignment. Your assignment. Now, it's okay if you win people out there and they never come to the church. I'm okay with that. I mean, we may never, but we're good because that's our number one assignment. But, but also, it's to fill the house of God. Where Jesus was at, there was a crowd. Well, Pastor William, you're not Jesus. No, but I am his servant. I do have the same spirit. You have the same spirit. Now, I didn't mean to get too much into this, and you got to know if I said it tonight, I'm going to say it again. Maybe it's Sunday would be a prime time to say it. No, who are you contacting during the week? Who have you sent an email, a text to, uh, uh, something on social media? Hey, would you please come? Would you meet me at church? I'd love for you to come. It'd be, a bit, it'd be really, you know, it would be blessed to have you come to church with me on time. I'd really love to have you come and be a part of it. And you'd be shocked, though. Now, not everybody's going to do it, but, but just think of it. Again, if you feel to see to your left and right, if everybody in here did it, of course the building would be full. Like that. And it's not that we had to have 5,000 people. No, because one person doing what they should already be doing. That's how this church was built. This is how, that's how this church started with eight people and, it, and it, at its apex in the past, not its apex in the future because it's going to be more. Because if you're going to get me to say anything less, you got the wrong guy up here if you think I'd say anything less. But we had 2,500 people on Sunday and that was, that was easy. Three services. This building was packed jammed. All the rooms back here packed jammed. We had 150 kids in our teen class. Try that one on. 150 kids in the teen class. What's changed? 
You know, we could talk about all the crazy people have come in and gone and all that kind of stuff. But you know, let's just forget about all that. Let's just get back to work. Let's get back to work. Let's quit making excuses and get back to work. Amen. If you've not seen the movie American Underdog, it's now at home. You wouldn't go see it when you're at the movies, although I asked you to do it many times. But you can get it on home viewing now. And the thing I like about it is if you think it's a football movie, you kind of got it wrong. It's a love story. Now, it's got football in it, but that is not what it's really all about. If you watch it, you'll understand the love story part of it. But I remember that year when that team, the team, had they were last place the year before that year that was incredible. And the motto of that team was all year, their, their motto, it was everywhere, got to go to work, got to go to work, got to go to work. And they decided we're going to outwork every other team that was in the NFL the year before. We're going we're to outwork them, and that's going to result in a win, and it, and it did. And you know, what we, you, know what, you know what we have to do at Faith Outreach Church now? We got to go to work. Look at your name and say, I got to go to work. Quit waiting for somebody over here to do it, somebody over here to do it. Listen, uh, El Greco travels with me a lot. Do I not talk to just about everybody everywhere we go and witness and do everything? I, I mean, everywhere I go. And let me tell you, he does. He invites every single person that we, we do business. There's business stuff we do and all kinds of stuff. He invites everybody to church, everybody. And somebody said, but yeah, but how, but some of them have come and some of them are coming. Amen. 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 I've done some funerals here in the last few months that because I took time out to love that family the way a pastor should love a family. I, I'm not saying I, did, I didn't do anything heroic. I did what was, I should have done. See, all these people that want to get all this applause and claps and, and all that for stuff they should have been doing already, stop it. Stop that. Stop that right now. Well, you know I did this for you? Stop it. If you've got to tell me you did it, you didn't do it for me, you did it for you, stop it. If you got to call in your markers, you did not do it for the right reason. Stop it. Even if you did something nice, you should have done it anyway if you call yourself a man of God. So stop that. Amen. But when you, wherever you go, I mean, it, it, it's, it's about you deciding, I'm, I'm taking my spot. And I'm going to, I'm going to, and like I say, I was doing these funerals. And, and so I did my, I did my job. That's all I did. I'm not trying to be, I was no hero here, but I followed up with these folks because I knew they were hurting. These are horrible things they're going through. And here in the last year or so, we've seen two different families come into this church based on the fact that I did these funerals and then I loved on these other family members. I didn't even know these other family members at all. First time I ever met them was at the funeral or in the funeral process. But because I took some effort and I saw their hearts and I saw their value and I knew that God wanted them and God loved them, then it was important for me not to just do the funeral, go home and shut the door. No, my work has just now started. Sometimes we stop working when the work has just started. One plants, one waters. God gives the increase. Now, I didn't mean to get into all this tonight, but I hope it's helping you a little bit. I hope it's stirring you up a little bit. Can you shout Amen. All right, uh, so we won't turn to these two verses. I just want to remind you of them. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's called the Great Commission. And he's talking to people that are present. He's not just, we always say that's for the disciples, but aren't you a disciple? That's what we're called. If we become Christians, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom has expanded vastly in the last 20 centuries. Amen? 
I like what Billy Graham said again. He said, I want to lobby for God. I like that, that word lobby, because we think of all the political, you know, these groups go to Washington and they are loud and mouthy and, and they make all kinds of signs and scenes because they want to be heard and get their stuff out there. And, and I'm not saying necessarily that any of it's wrong. Some of it is, but I don't, I'm not cherry picking which is which, but I am saying this, we ought to be lobbying for God. We ought to be the biggest, biggest, most outspoken person for God in our whole family. Can you shout amen? Listen to this. Oswald Chambers said, God is not saving the world. It is done. Our business is to get people to realize it. God is not saving the world. Jesus already did that. He said, it is done. It's our business to get people to realize it. Payments have been made. You have a Lord and Savior. He's wait. All you have to do is call on his name. Believe in your heart. Confess your mouth. God's raised Jesus from the dead. Now, after that, there's a commitment that you're going to have to get into because you, you need more than a Savior. You're going to have to have him also as a Lord. You're, you're going to get introduced to him and, and he'll become your Savior. But after that, you have to go on and make him Lord, which is, of course, what the world is not doing and what most of these wishy-washy churches are not even talking about anymore. Pray a little prayer, say a little confession. Jesus did it all at the cross. You can't mess it up. He'd rather you live right, but if you don't, it's okay. You know, it's good. That is not the Bible that I'm reading from. Jesus said, well, I call you me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things that I tell you to do. That's in your Bible. Now, it's not in a lot of pulpits nowadays, but it's in the Bible. And we're going to preach it in this church. Amen. And it does make it a little harder to fill the, the seats when you're not preaching the easy way, but you can still fill these seats by preaching the truth. Did you know people want the truth? Did you know that they really do? I tell you the group that is the hungriest for the truth on planet earth, and it is the young people. We've been told a lie and sold a lie that they're a lost generation. They're all running after the world. They don't want to hear anything we have to say. They don't like church. They don't want anything to do with God and, 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 and blah, blah. That is a lie from hell. Uh, how many of you were here on Sunday at the second service? Let me see your hands. How many of you saw the scene up front here? Now, Alan called them up here, but here's the thing. They did come. All our teenagers and our young people, he, he said, if you're under 21, I want you to come up here. Well, I've been in services before where people said, well, hang on, and they just never did come, but they all came. They stood right here across this front. They all stood here very respectfully. They all got ministered to. Man, God used Alan and Julie. And I mean, it was amazing because, you know, they work with kids every day. This is what they do. And God used them. And, 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 God, and, and I looked across. And here's the thing that I was most proud of is their family stayed intact too. They didn't start doing that. Oh, God, you know, does he not know it's 12, 15? I mean, my God. We get to the restaurant now, we'll never get in because it's a quarter after 12. Because I see people have that attitude. Can you shout amen? So, uh, so we got to understand, looking, you know, the, the people, just, we just got to tell them about it. Um, and then again, you've heard this saying, you don't tell a drowning man that he's drowning, you throw him a life preserver. We have the life preserver. We can throw it to them. Can you shout amen? Now, Go to Romans 11. It's not in my notes that I sent upstairs, but I added it afterwards. I'm sorry upstairs that I didn't add it to the ones I sent you guys. But I tell you what I do. I listen to God all the way up to service time. 
I work all week on these things. I study, I study, I study because the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Roger Biden, the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. So I do my, my due diligence. But I will, all the way up to the time I walk out here, I'm still subject to hearing from God about something that's not in my notes. This is one of those things. In Romans 11, verse 31. Now this is where God, you know, Paul is speaking to the church at Rome and we won't go back through all the history. You can read it for yourself. It's again that thing between the Gentiles and the Jews and what God is trying to do to, is to get the message to everyone that will receive it. And we get down to verse 31. I love this verse. It says, even so have these also now, because he's talking about Gentiles here. Even so have these also now, now not believed that through your mercy, they also may obtain mercy. Now, I thought that, to, I, I circled the words that through your mercy, that they may obtain mercy. Now, listen to this. In the original, original, well, Jesus spoke Aramaic. You need to know that. He didn't speak Greek. It was like a split off, but it was Aramaic. That's what he spoke when he was on this earth. And the word mercy, now I'm going to, you've probably never heard this before, but it's true. The word mercy in Aramaic means to get under the skin. You say, well, boy, I know a lot of people get under my skin, but no, 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 wait a minute. We're not talking about it in the negative. The word mercy means to get under someone's skin. It's almost getting into where they are so you sense what they're sensing. You, you feel what they're feeling. When you have mercy on someone, it's like you put yourself in their place. You take your biases out that you might personally have, and by the way, we all have them. It's natural for you to have biases based on your experiences, your upbringing, what you listen to. That's all going to create biases in every person on the planet. But when you have mercy, you lay that to the side and you try, you let that person, you get under their skin so that you can see what they see and you can feel what they feel and it gives you a better opportunity to understand why they are the way they are. And the Bible says here through our mercy, how many of you know, how many of you have ever received the mercy of God? Now I received it today because the Bible says it's new every morning. And I'll, I say it every morning when I'm praying. One of the last people I pray for every day is me, but I do pray for me just in case you don't, <laughs> I do. So I don't get myself covered, but I do pray. I say, Father, thank you for your mercy, your grace, your long suffering, your spirit, your word, your glory, your presence, your blood, your angels, your name, Jesus, 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 that no harm, plague, fear, disease, accidents, death, crime, evil, injustice, poverty, lack, oppression, or depression come on me or anyone in my family. Whether we're at home, work, school, leisure, whether we're at the church or ministry, whether we're walking, bicycling, motorcycling, going by bus, plane, train, boat, or car, and I say it every day. And I never skip a beat and I never miss a word. And that's not bragging because I pray it every day. It's in my heart. You understand what I'm saying? But the church has done a miserable job. We've called grace mercy and it is not. Grace gets you to the altar and grace saves you because you got to have the grace of God to get saved because we're all guilty. That's the grace of God. It saves you. Then the grace of God is supposed to go to this other level where it empowers you to resist sin. And we don't preach this right. Mercy is for when you absolutely miss the mark, not grace. You miss the mark and you ask God for mercy. I know I'm guilty. I did it wrong. Ooh, Lord, you don't need grace then. You need mercy. If you go to court and you're charged with a crime and you are guilty, you're hoping the court will show you what? You're not asking for grace. You're asking for mercy because you are guilty. 
Are you hearing me? So let's go back to our verse again here, that through your mercy, they might find mercy. You can tell them, I have been, I, I may not have done what you've done, but man, I have messed my life up. I tell you what, you don't know how low I was. But when I went to God, he saved me. And you know what? I was guilty, but he showed mercy on me. And God will show mercy on you. The world doesn't even know, they don't even know much about mercy because we've overloaded them with grace. And it's not even the right definition of grace. We, the grace in most churches today is the license to sin, not the license, not the power to get free from it. It's the license to sin. And, and Paul made it very clear to the church of Rome. He said, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now, most churches don't forbid, but God does. Anybody here tonight in this wonderful gathering? All right. So, uh, so I gave you uh, 2 Peter 3, 9, we talked about God wants everybody to be saved. So we don't have to wonder if it's God's will to save everybody around us. It is God's will. Clearly. Acts eleven fourteen. we gave you that verse. It says that God will give you words whereby your house may be saved. Did you know God will give you words? God will give you what you need to say. Now, the hardest people, if you want to use the word people, to get saved are your family most of the time. Why? Because they're more familiar with you, you're more familiar with them. There's a lot of history there. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. There's a lot of emotion there a lot of times. Now, we won't go back and read there, but, but we probably will next week. Matthew 4, 18 through 22, Mark 1, 16 through 20, is where Jesus called some of the disciples, and we know, you know, Peter and Andrew and James and John, so on. he called them, he said, I'm good. come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Remember that? We talked about it. He didn't say, I'm going to make you an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. And most of them became one of those. He said, no, 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 you're not even qualified to be any of those if you don't first become a fisher of men. This is the missing message in the church today. Again, everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants the platform. I've got something to say. I'm a great preacher. I've got a great message. They really need to hear me. Man, I'll tell you what, I got it. And all of that might even be true. But if you're not a fisher of men, you don't need to be up there. The only reason I made it up here is from the day I got saved, all I could think about was telling everybody else about what happened to me. And I tried to get, I tried to get everybody saved, man. And, and some of it was, I was a little reckless at times because I didn't know the heck what I was doing. And I, I probably spoke when I shouldn't speak and I didn't speak when I should have. But I tell you what, I was not silent. I I'm a soul winner. I love it. I've always been that way. When, when, when it came time, when I became a youth pastor in the 80s, I loved that time because I, I had all these teenagers and man, I started loving them. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't go ahead and have no, I had no training. I'd been to no school about it. I had had no mentor to tell me how to do it. I didn't know what, I didn't know anything about what I was doing, but I talked to them about the Bible and I loved them with the love of God. And they just started coming in groves. They started coming in groves, but I loved it because I, 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 I was an evangelist. I didn't realize it. And I mean, we would just get them saved left and right. Just get them saved. Every week we got kids saved every week. Everyone got them saved. Couldn't get enough of it. Again, when I say these things about my life, please don't hear me as bragging. I'm not bragging at all on me. I'm talking about how the gospel will work if we'll just use it. Can, can you shout amen? amen? So when, when these things began to kind of unfold in my life, I realized that, that 
I didn't deserve to be, I, I never tried to get in the pulpit. I tried to avoid the pulpit, but because I was such a soul winner, God then stirred up another gift in me that I didn't know that I even had, a gift to preach. And I didn't even, I wasn't trying to be a preacher. I never thought of myself as a preacher. I didn't, I didn't have the ambition to be a preacher. I was just happy to go to church and, and I'd pr I would pray so hard during the altar call, the pastor would be given the altar call and I would just, I mean, I was praying intensely that somebody would go down front and get saved. That's all I cared about. But in the process of becoming a fisher of men, God stirred another gift up in me. Now see, a lot of us need to understand and, and listen, just because now I have that other gift and I've been pastoring, I still have to always remember, first of all, I'm a fisher of men. Now I know I'm not going to call any names. I'm not going to, it's not anybody that, I don't have people here like this, but I know a couple of pastors that they believe once they become a pastor, man, they don't have to witness to anybody. I don't see that in the scripture. Long as I'm alive, I'm going to talk about Jesus to people around me that are lost. I am a fisher of men. I haven't, arrived amen alright we're trying to get done here we're just about done we're close um, let's go to John 1 this is the good stuff I was saving this for the end we might as well go there now had some other stuff to talk about but we'll just we'll go in over here because this is where I think we probably haven't read this I'm not saying you haven't read it like read it because most of you in here probably read your Bible all the way through I think we kind of don't catch a couple things every now and then John was a unique disciple. He saw things the others didn't see. He certainly had some depth that they didn't have because he was the only one at the cross when Jesus was crucified. He was so important and so trustworthy that Jesus looked down from the cross and looked over at his mother and said to John, behold your mother. I'm trusting you to now become the son of my mother because she's going to need you. Pretty big deal. John goes on to write 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. They try to kill him. That, 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 now, we don't have this. We don't know this from the Bible. We only know it from legend and history, so we don't know this is a fact, and I want to state that before I say it. But they say they tried to kill him, and he wouldn't die, so they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, where when he got out there, all he did was Jesus came and appeared and had a revelation, gave it to him called the Book of Revelation. We talk about how great the Apostle Paul was, and he certainly was. He wrote not quite... We say two-thirds of the New Testament, not quite, because John had five books. John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. So I want to just qualify who John is here. And he's not John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle. But John the Baptist has now come along. And uh, Jesus is being baptized in the River Jordan. We see that. Uh, you can read that back on up here. John was baptizing. John saw Jesus, verse 29. We're not going to read all this. I'm just giving you some account here. He saw Jesus coming and he recognized him as, he said, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And he said, this is he that's coming. I told you that there's another coming. John the Baptist said, there's another one coming other than me. And this is him. I was just the person to announce his coming. Think about the humility John had. We, 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 we read before over in John chapter 3 where John had his own disciples the Baptist I'm talking about not John the Apostle when he wrote it but he had his own disciples but his goal he said but I must decrease 
so he can increase. Boy, how many preachers would do that nowadays? They fight and jockey for position. People fight and jockey for position. Well, let's go back to the story because we're going to see something in a minute. So the spirit descends from heaven on Jesus and he said, I saw all of this. And then in verse 35, and again, the next day after all this took place, John stood and two of his disciples, this is John the Baptist. Now see, I'm telling you, you probably haven't read this. Not in the way we're about to read it. So here's John the Baptist. He's standing there and with two of his disciples. Say his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walks, he said again, behold the Lamb of God. And the two di disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now tell me that wouldn't ruffle your feathers. Here's two of John's disciples. They heard Jesus speak. They said, whoa, <laughs> thank you for, it's been, been nice knowing, but we go with this guy. Right? Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, what seek you? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where do you dwell? Where do you live? Now, there's another verse. I'm going to throw in some stuff to help you here. I'm almost done. But I love to teach as I go. I'm a teacher and a preacher. And I can't help that I stop and teach along the way. It's part of my, part of my gifting, I hope. And because uh, people say, well, Jesus didn't have a house. Because, you know, there's that one place where he said, you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of God has not a, a place to lay. Not in the city he was... He was in another city. He didn't have a house in that city, but he certainly had a house. My Lord, he was raised with Mary. Do you think she was homeless? Mary's not dead yet. Do you think she was homeless? Well, of course not. Joseph was a carpenter, pretty successful apparently. So here he's taking him to where he lives. And he said unto them, come and see. Well, that sounds like somebody has a house. They came and saw where he dwelt and he abode with him that day for it was about, and abode with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Oh, so now we find out where Andrew came from. Andrew was actually John's disciple first. Did any of you ever take notice of that? Not, not chastising if you haven't because we're, these are things we don't think are important until we go back and look at them differently. It's going to become very important in a minute. It's everything I'm preaching to you tonight is about to come up in the next few verses. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew has already dropped everything and he's going to follow Jesus. And we're going to find out that Andrew was the first evangelist ever on this earth other than John or Jesus. Because look what he does. And he first, Andrew, finds his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ and he brought him to Jesus. Pause a minute. Do you see that? So Andrew... We get a little more information in the book of John where we find out who Andrew is and he is such an evangelist, he runs and tells his brother Peter, you got to get over here, man. We found the Messiah. And he did something important. He brought him to Jesus. You got any empty seats in your car on Sunday? Oh, we're getting back to grunting again, I can see. I was at Lowe's the other day and one of the young people that I, Ginger and I was part of our group back in the 80s. We were looking at flooring. Actually, it was about two and a half weeks ago. We put new flooring in our main house because you got six dogs and they were chewing our floor. And I mean, it was a mess. It was pathetic, really. <laughs> so we got this vinyl plank floor that's pretty much indestructible, which you better have if you got dogs like we do. But when we're there, the girl that was in there, uh, she was part of our youth group. And 
while we're waiting to find, they're about to bring us some samples and stuff, and they can't find what we're looking for. We, we saw, saw what we want, but they didn't know if they had it. We had to wait. So we're in the waiting period, and we started talking about the old days. I think El Greco was with us that day. We had to, we had to talk about the old days. She said, do you remember that time when you had that vet, that chevette? I said, oh, yeah. She said, you remember that time we got 13 people in that vet? I said, I sure do. How many of you have ever seen the inside of a chevette? It's about this big. That's about the whole size of a Chevette. It was almost the size of a Yugo. How many of you know what a Yugo is? Man, if you were in the 80s, you had to know what a Yugo was. It was actually a car, Yugoslavian. Uh, so anyway, she said, you remember that time we got 13? And I said, I do. Man, there was legs across this way and heads across that way and arms back here. And I mean, I remember we packed them in that little car. That little thing was sitting on the ground. Man, I was low riding, man. I didn't... I didn't need to have it to look. It was already a low rider, man, I'm telling you. And uh, because there was never a Sunday that our cars weren't full. Why are you talking about that? There's never a Sunday our cars weren't full. And then we had an old van. We finally got an old 15-passenger van. You've heard all the stories about that. That thing was uh, that thing was held together by the angels of God. It wouldn't work. We didn't have any money. The church didn't have any money. I mean, Pastor Ginger and I, every penny we were making on our secular jobs because we weren't getting paid to pastor or, or be youth pastors, but every penny we had was out. So we finally scraped up enough together and bought this little, I don't even know what we gave for that van, probably $1,200, $1,500. It's probably worth about fifty. And we had a guy in the church who was, a, was a, uh, a sergeant in the army, and he was a mechanic. And he would come in every week, and he'd work them. And I'm, Pastor, I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, thanks, man. So he, he'd keep it going with rubber bands and, you know, and clothes hangers and duct tape, man. We kept that thing going. And that thing was a 15-passenger. But I want you to know, man, by the time we had that thing a few months, we had 20, I'm not, this, I, wouldn't, I would not, I would not, this was not right. I'm not telling you this is the right thing to do, but we're pretty ignorant in those days. We probably had 20-something kids in there. We took 20-something kids to Atlanta, Georgia. We took that band to Atlanta, Georgia uh, twice, two years in a row to a Christian festival with 20-something kids in it. Thank God for his mercy. <laughs> Look at verse 41. Look at the second word of verse 41 about Andrew. What is, what's the second word you say? You see, Shout it. So the first thing Andrew did, first thing he thought about after he met Jesus and sat there and heard him was, man, I got to go tell somebody. And I'm going to go tell my brother Peter. He first finds his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. But don't stop reading yet. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone or the rock. Now see, we probably didn't even read this out of this particular account. The day following, now this is just a day later, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and he finds Philip. And Philip said to him, and he said to Philip, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, which is, is uh, the house of bread or something like that, the city of Andrew and Peter. So but now notice what happens in verse 45. What happened when Philip, what, what happened to Philip when he, when he got turned on? Oh, he finds Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Do you see how the moment they got Christ in their life, they said, I got to go tell somebody else. I got to get some, come on, come on. They said, come on, come on, come on. 
Come on, come on, you got to go. Come on, come on. Man, you got to go see what I got. Come on. Come on. Come on. Are you listening to me? They said there's no way we can just keep this to ourselves. It wouldn't be right if I just went home and glowed over what I got. It would not be right when you watch a service like this and God touches you or come to the house of God like this and you don't go tell somebody. And not just somebody that already knows. We were in, uh, we'd been in some meetings and we'd gone down to, and I'm final closing and you've heard these stories, but I got to tell it anyway. Um, we'd gone down to Shoney's on Riverside Drive. The church used to be downtown on First Street. I found some vintage video that you're going to see one day of the day after the tornado hit our building downtown, some footage where we went down there and walked around and videoed everything. I found it the other day, and, and it's pretty interesting. It's, it's pretty important to this church. And uh, so I, I was thinking about, you know, we, we were, well, let me just tell this story here. I, I'm trying to think about which story I want to tell you. Um, When we first when we first moved in that building downtown, I'll go back to I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this story. We we got in this building downtown. I've got about five stories going on here, and I'm thinking about which one would be the best one to tie this one up tonight. But but I remember how we we would go down to Shoney's and and it was just a you know, down river you, we were on First Street, you went down, you were on Riverside Drive, you took a right, and it was about the only restaurant open after church on Wednesday. We were on Thursdays and Sundays. Some of you probably know that. We used to play a prank on somebody every night when we go down there on uh, Thursday or Sunday nights because we had Sunday night church, which I'm not too sure that we might not try to do something on Sunday here in the not too distant future. I don't know what it is, but but anyway, um, we would go down there and we would go to the waitress and I'd say, now look, I'm going to give you extra money and I'm going to pay for this. But you see that person over there? Bring them a hot fudge cake out in about 30 minutes and sing happy birthday to them. And it wasn't their birthday. But we'd been in these meetings and we walked in where there were so many people getting saved. We'd been in a, a conference where hundreds and hundreds of people getting saved. When we left there, I went in one night, and this is the truth. The lady ran up to me, though. She said, what is going on with you? I said, what do you mean? She said, what is going on? She got right at my face and said, what are you talking about? I was thinking, oh, my God, what, what did I do? She said, your, faith is, your, your face is glowing. Now, it sounds almost like what you read over there with, with Moses. She said, I'm serious. She said, your face is glowing. And then it's just kind of like the Lord said to me, you want to know why? You were where people were being born again and being saved. Because the Bible says, listen to what the Bible says. It's the only time it says this. When one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. Now, God's happy when somebody gets healed. He's happy when somebody gets delivered. But we don't see a record of the angels rejoicing. But it says when one sinner repents, the angels of heaven rejoice. So apparently, according to heaven, the greatest miracle on planet earth is somebody giving their life to Jesus. Well, if that's true, then we know it is. I mean, I don't think that, that part is not a revelation to you. But, but if that's true, shouldn't we be more eager to make sure that that happens more? Because if you think me as the pastor can make this happen, I can't. I witness to everybody I get around. 
I do my part where I go, but I don't work at your job. I don't live on your street. I don't have your family members in my family. I don't have the same contacts you have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how in the world am I going to fill the church up? What if you started praying? And everybody out there too, maybe if, even if you live in another city, go to another church, you do this. What if you started praying, Lord, my mission, my, my assignment is to fill at least two chairs. Now I'm going to witness to a lot of people. Some of them may never come to church. I'm going to do that. That's always going to be my assignment to get people saved. But I, my, my assignment, I'm going to take this personal. I am going to, every morning I'm going to pray, Lord, lead me, show me, guide me, anoint me. But by the end of this year, I'm going to look to my left and I'm going to look to my right and those seats are going to be filled. So help me God. And he will. What did Andrew do? Ran and got Peter. What did Philip do? We ain't got Nathaniel. Isn't that cool how that's right there in our Bible? And we probably have read that chapter and just sped read through it and said that was a great chapter and moved on because, you know, in chapter 2, we get the miracle of Cana where Jesus does his first miracle and turns wide. We want to get into that one. That's a really cool story. But really, the real story starts in chapter 1. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again. Thank <laughs> you.